Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today we've got a great compliance story of using up a company's entire office supplies. But first a story from AF Cheddarhead. If you pay me for 40 hours, you get 40 hours. I work as a consulting engineer designing and implementing systems, network and server, upgrades for organizations with worldwide locations. When initially hired by my company, the agreement was I would get paid for every hour I worked, usually 40 hours a week when at the home site up to 80 plus hours per week when at the customer's location. No overtime, just straight time as my position is exempt. While on site, I would also be paid M-I-N-E, lodging expenses, mileage expenses, and meal and incidental expenses to include a rental car. M-I-N-E can add up to a couple thousand a week in places like Hawaii, Japan, or England. Flash forward a few years, and the company's been bought and merged a couple of times, and the new company decides that exempt employees are now salary and will not pay for any hours over 40 plus. Of course, no discussion of negotiating a new rate due to the change in working conditions. This reduces my annual compensation by over 20000 per year, as I would be at a customer site for 4-6 to six months a year. I walk into the boss's office to discuss. He says nothing to discuss. Next time I'm planning for a site, the plan is for me and my team to work 40 hours a week, meaning an additional three weeks on site. Neither the customer nor my boss were happy. The additional three weeks added over 50,000 in M-I-N-E to the estimate because it isn't just me that does the work, and the total number of chargeable hours is the same if we're on site four weeks or seven weeks. Sorry, if you only pay me for 40 hours, I only work 40 hours. A couple of VPs were quickly brought into the conversation and the new policy was quickly modified when at a customer site we now get paid for every hour we work. I don't really understand how they thought this would work out. You're going to cut down the hours people get paid for, well then yeah the work's going to take longer. People aren't going to just give you half the work they do for free. If you were working a job and suddenly your hours got cut back but they expected you to still somehow do the same output. Would you maliciously go at a comfortable speed for only the hours you're getting paid for and immediately hang it up as soon as those hours are met? Let me know in the comments down below. Our next story is from Strider27. You're the boss. I got a job for working as a mechanic out west. I lived in New York at the time and moved 2,000 miles to work for this farm. It was family run, just the dad and his kid, who was in the process of taking over the farm from his dad. His brother helped out when school let out, but most of the time it was just the three of us. I flew out for an interview, and they explicitly said they didn't like doing mechanical work, so they needed someone to handle all of anything that came up in that respect. I have 15 years experience working on farm equipment, so it was a great fit. Everything seemed great in the interview, so I accepted the job and moved three weeks later. 
I say everything seemed great because I quickly found out that the kid was very insecure and quickly made it clear that I couldn't do anything without his approval and even a simple oil change, he was there watching my every move. Then the day came when he wanted to change the airbags on a trailer suspension and when the malicious compliance comes in. He had changed it once a year before when it blew and wanted to change the other three before there was another problem. Preventative maintenance is bread and butter, and I started pulling off the old bags. He got down under the trailer with me and told me that I was in fact removing the bag he had replaced last year. I respectfully told him it was an old bag, he must be mistaken, as it was dry rotted. A closer inspection also showed three bags, this one included, were the same brand, and the fourth was a different brand. The fourth was also the same brand as the three replacement bags he had just bought, and more importantly, wasn't dry rotted. He told me I was wrong, not to argue, and to leave the old bag and start removing the others, including the good one. Okay, you're the boss. So I started the job of removing the two bad bags and the one good one. 45 minutes later, he shows up and sees the good bag I removed and compared it to the new bag that was still on the floor and decides it is in fact a good bag and I should remove the one I initially found to be bad. Doesn't matter to me, you can pay me twice to do the job. There were other times this happened, so I wasn't really upset when I got laid off. They blamed it on the drought, but I don't think that was the only reason. You gotta love when people like OP are hired for their experience and their skill set, and then when they're trying to implement said experience and skill set, they get told, no, 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 listen to me, I'm right. I wonder if they laid off OP, mainly because they were just tired of unintentionally getting upstaged. Our next story is from Snoo44245, so you want a shot of whiskey? Got on my Wayback Machine for this, working at the Elks in the mid-70s, college job, as a bartender for big events. We have three bars set up for about 200 guests, a singles club, by the way there were some really nice looking women there, with this many guests we always broke the dishwasher and converted to plastic as the dishwasher wouldn't keep up. Up front, I will say that shots do look small in plastic cups. Please continue. A young man approaches and asks for a shot of whiskey straight up. No problem, plastic glass on the bar, pour whiskey, and ask for $1.25. As I mentioned way back, he looked at the glass and then at me, and then as loud as he could without screaming, he said, When I ask for a shot of whiskey, I want a shot of whiskey. Heads turned. Now, at the Elks, we free poured our drinks and, well, the customer got a good pour. However, based on his demeanor, I was a little PO'd. I said alright, reached behind me and retrieved a shot glass. I filled it up to the line from his glass, dumped about the same amount in the sink, again from his glass, and poured the shot back into his glass and asked again for $1.25. Strangely, I got no tip, but he was quiet the rest of the evening. I mean, when you're working a job like this and you know you're giving them an honest amount, I don't really blame the people who kind of somewhat passive-aggressively without really displaying any attitude, go and do something as blatant as taking the shot from the plastic one which is slightly bigger, pouring it in to fill up the proper shot glass, and then just dumping out the rest right in front of the customer. I mean, they're kind of asking for it when they're complaining about it like that. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Every single video has great stories, like our next one from Pale Cause 3707 PlayStation Repairs. 
When I was 18, I worked at an independent video game store. This was in the era of the original gray PlayStation. My boss was of an older generation and still liked to fix things. He was pretty good at it, so people would bring consoles and computers on for repairs quite frequently. One day, a customer came in holding a ratty carrier bag. My PlayStation stopped working, can you fix it? I told him we'd have a look, so he reached into the bag and pulled out the console. He pulled out the console and placed it on the counter. It was filthy. Younger readers won't remember how old computers used to turn yellow-brown due to a combination of the type of plastic and cigarette smoke, but this was like that, only turned up to 11. It was covered in something yellow-slash-brown and sticky, like coffee stains. I reluctantly pressed the open button and found out that the inside of the CD drive was also covered in the sticky substance. There seems to be something in the CD drive which may be causing the issue. I commented as tactfully as I could. Oh yeah, I spilt a cup of coffee on it, but I didn't think that would affect it. Can you fix it? I say yes, but it'll cost 269 British pounds. They say, wow, how much is a new one? I say 249 British pounds. They say, so you think it's going to take that long to clean and fix it? This is where I was lucky the customer had a sense of humor. I said, no, this one is broken beyond repair, and I really don't want to clean that gunk off it. I'm going to walk over to the shelf and get you a new one, but I'm going to charge you 20 pounds to unbox it. They say, can I just buy a new one? I say, yes, 249 pounds, please. I'm kind of curious what OP means by saying that they were of an older generation and still like to fix things, because I'm wondering if that really is a commentary on younger people not really wanting to fix things anymore or just how much more anti-consumer all these phones and game consoles are in regards to you being able to actually fix it. For a long time, they try to put as many proprietary parts and pieces in these things as possible, and I believe even for some iPhones, there's exclusive contracts that Apple have with part suppliers for certain parts where people just can't buy replacement pieces. Plus, I think things in general have gotten a little bit more complex over the years. I think the beauty of older game consoles like the original PlayStation is that it's just easier to work on regardless. This next story is from Frank Sarno. Print everything? Sure. In the early 2000s, I worked as a Unix administrator at a small company that sold flowers. Back then, we had multiple roles including security, database, mail, and network administration. One of my roles was to create the IDs for new salespeople across the world. It wasn't a huge amount of turnover, but each Valentine's Day and Mother's Day, there would be a huge uptick as temporary staff got added. We'd had a thousand temporary sales and inventory workers leading up to these days. To create the IDs, I generated a report and ran a script. However, I had to get approval from a manager before I could actually create the IDs. Each new user had a bunch of data, including name, extension, etc. The process was to print out the user packets and send it to the manager for approval. With one or two people, it's no big deal to print it out. With a thousand users, I figured I'd just send a spreadsheet with a column to approve or not. I wrote the report that generated the CSV, and it was a lot easier for me to use than printed pages. I sent the spreadsheet to the manager. He never replied. I followed up with a call and resent the email. He said he'd get to it. A week later, it hadn't been approved and another 100 users are pending. I remind him I need his sign-off. He still doesn't get back to me. Finally, I get hauled up to some senior manager to get scolded. 
I explain that I need the approvals and that I'm waiting. The approving manager is pissed off when he hears. He screams to his boss that I didn't follow procedure and print out the forms. The forms have to be filed, apparently. You know where this is heading. By the time I finished printing, we'd gone through five reams of paper and dozens of folders, staples, and other supplies. All of this so the approver can check off the approval and sign his name. On top of that, I then had to process each individually. It took two days for something that normally took two minutes. I get the need for paperwork and bureaucracy. If someone gets added without approval, that's a bad thing, as they have access to all customer data. But the policy changed immediately after this to allow an email and a single printout of all names as the required paper trail. Sometimes people are just so stuck in their ways and their idea of how things should work that sometimes the only way to solve that problem is actually go along with their plan and let them realize firsthand how terrible of an idea it was. If somebody's so confidently wrong, sometimes you just need to let them be wrong. Our next story is from National Garbage 302. Be careful what you wish for. Okay, I'll start with some background. My workplace is quite large. According to a pedometer app, I walk about 5 miles per night on average during a shift. The manager booth is all the way on one side. My work area is typically the complete opposite side with bathrooms in the middle. Every day we have a huddle where we get all of our assignments for the day and any updates on broken equipment, whatever. These can be quick 5 minute deals or 45 minutes depending on what all is discussed. On this particular day, our huddle was probably one of the longest. A solid 40 minutes or so standing there listening, waiting to actually do my job. After this, we take about 20 minutes to gather all our supplies and get to our assigned area. So this day, I get all my supplies together and head over. By the time I'm in my work area, it's already been an hour with zero work done. Suddenly, I get a cramp in my gut. Realize I really need to go and go do so. I won't go into any detail, but my stomach was angry, we'll leave it at that. So I finish up, go back over, and the boss is now standing there asking where I've been. I explain I was in the bathroom, he insists I should still have some work done by now, as we're now 90 plus minutes into the shift, and that I need to ask permission to go to the bathroom, like this is freaking middle school or something. I'm 28, this is far from my first job and I've never failed to accomplish all tasks by the end of my shifts here, even if I start off an hour or two behind. At first I said absolutely not, I was angry, but then I realized every single time I pee, every single time I stop to get some water or a snack, I'm going all the way over to this man's booth and I'm telling him. And when he asks why productivity is lower, it's because I'm walking the one-fourth of a mile over to your office to let you know every single time I go to the bathroom or do anything just like you asked. And I'm definitely not walking fast. At least I'm hourly. I've read a few of these kinds of stories over the years where these managers are like, Every time you go anywhere, every time you do anything, you need to let me know. You need to get my okay. Every single time it happens, it turns out to be this thing that works for a day or two, but then they quickly realize it is a nightmare to have to deal with your workers who are 28 plus years old coming up to you multiple times a day to say, hey, can I go pee? Hey, can I go use the restroom? Hey, can I go get a drink of water? Like it's daycare or something. 
At some point, that manager is going to realize it's a huge waste of time both for OP, for productivity, and for the manager. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to see another malicious compliance story that was even more insane than the ones in this video, click the left video. And if you missed my latest video, click on the right. With that said, I'll see you all next time for some more stories.